All right, guys, today I get to interview Adam Hergenrother, is the founder of all of these different companies, which includes KW Vermont, Livian, BlackRock Construction, Achieve Freedom Coaching, KW Premier Properties, and more. Um, and so it's pretty incredible because a lot of the people that I've interviewed on the podcast, I shouldn't say a lot, but, but several at least, have, are actually either working for Adam or connected to Adam. So I'm super excited, Adam, to have you on the podcast today because you have done uh, many things that other people would find difficult, if not impossible. And you've done not just one of them, but you've done many of them. So obviously there are some secrets to success that you have uh, that I'd like to get unpacked today. Um, and I want to start, because I, I was watching some of your YouTube videos, about how you focus on you know the, the, the inward experience more than the external scenarios. And I just want to understand... Uh, have you talk a little bit about that and how important that's been in your business success. Awesome, Matt. Thank you. I'm super excited to be here. And thank you for all the work that you do. I know how difficult it is to put these shows on. So it's not, it's not as easy as people think it is. So awesome. Awesome. You know, uh, I'll take you on like a six or seven minute journey. You know, I, um, you know, growing up, uh, you know, I don't know if my experience was, was different. I think everyone has, you know, um, well, I know it's different, but everyone has kind of the similar parallels, if you will, or the challenges that kind of growing up for me. I, you know, up until I was about a freshman in high school, I was trying to live somebody else's life. I was trying to please other people. I was trying to be somebody that I wasn't. I can't say it like I can now, you know, my vocabulary has expanded. I've kind of grown and I can say it differently, but at the time it was just, I knew it was wrong, but like, I still couldn't not do it. Right. I was still like addicted to, you know, wanting to, to do that. And finally I came into a, a head, you know, sixth, seventh and eighth grade. I was kind of in the drugs, light drugs, but I was into them and failing classes. And I kind of hit freshman year hanging out with this group of people that was really, they weren't friends. They were terrible individuals. Actually, they were, they were, they were lost, right? They were just lost people similar to I was too. Um, in fact, actually the majority of people that I was hanging out with, they're, they're actually all dead, uh, unfortunately, um, at this point. And, uh, you know, overdoses for a lot of them, they got into much serious stuff. But anyways, there came this moment when I was a freshman in high school that, you know, it just, I was just fed up with living somebody else's life. Now I had no idea where it was going to take me. I had no idea what it was going to look like. I just knew that this was not the life that I was going to live. And almost it was this, you know, there's this inside, there's a voice that's in your head, right? That everyone has it and it kind of talks to you, but there was a deeper booming voice that was behind this during that time that was just like, move on, like move on. And I didn't know what it meant, but the next morning I came home one day in between listening to Celine Dion and staying up all night, I was, I was, I started crying many times throughout it. And I was like, what's wrong with me? You know, the whole thing. And then I was like, you know what? Like I realized nobody else is going to do this work. And so it was, it was up to me. And the next day I just stopped hanging out with people that I was hanging out with and they didn't take lightly to that. They ended up actually, you know, for two weeks we had police involved. And finally I brought my brother down from college who brought like 15 of his friends and kind of ended that way. But, uh, and they never saw me again. But um, uh, during that moment, I also found sports, uh, which I was heavily into, which is why sports is so important to me and so important. We have a foundation around that of supporting youth because it really changed my life and gave me um, a, a different sense to put my energy towards. And um, that was wonderful. So kind of fast forward uh, a little further in my life. Before we, before we fast forward, I, I kind of yeah. want to dive into this because I, I want to get your take on what about sports really was so helpful. I know I heard Joe Rogan say something like, basically, if people don't have enough physical, like, activity or exercise, or they don't really challenge themselves physically, then they end up fighting emotionally and they fight in other ways. Yeah, um, yeah. Do you equate it to the physical elements of sports or the team elements? What, what do you think was really the trigger? 
It's a beautiful question. You know, I think there was a few things. Number one, it gave me a new sense of direction um, that I could apply myself to. I have a very addictive personality. And so when it was addicted to the wrong things, it was not great. And when I was able to re-harness that and put it forward, um, it, it was able to get in there. I think it did two things. One, it gave me confidence. Um, that I could, that I could do this. I lost a hundred pounds that year, by the way, as a freshman in high school, which is, you know, challenging to do at any level that gave me additional confidence. Um, it gave me a sense of, of new teammates and how people rely on each other in the external world and the world that we are and how you can play those roles that are there. Uh, and then there was a physical release. Like to this day, by the way, if I don't exercise, like I exercise between one and three hours a day still. And if I don't exercise, I'm off. And I'm really, I'm not the best that I can be um, uh, at all. Like I, there's a, there's an anxiousness that comes over me and I know I'm experiencing it. I don't try to get to it, but I can relieve that with exercise. And, and look for me, I, I'm, I've, I ended up doing 21 Ironmans. Like I've, I've done a bunch of endurance things that are out there to push myself physically, but it, you don't have to do what I'm doing. Right. It's like, you could go out and walk for, you know, an hour, you could go out there and do 15 pushups, sets of three, just something to get yourself physically moving. Because when you take your consciousness, your mind, your spirit, and your body, you can combine those. That's where you ultimately have this, this harmony between the, the 100% external and 100% internal world. Um, and I think moving that body is, is, is a functionality of that. I also feel like my body is like a blue collar worker. I feel like it just needs to be worked. I think everyone's a little bit different than that. Like some animals, like I have a German shepherd and it needs to be run, right? I ran it five miles this morning, right? It's like it needs, if it doesn't do that, it like... It will go crazy in our house. So there, there's a different nature to every human too, as well, physicality. But what is necessary is that there is some form of movement that happens every day for individuals um, that are there. Yeah, I love yeah. this. So let's talk about how, well, actually, let's just continue on the journey. So yeah, let me, let me share, yeah, share one more thing and then, then you'll open back up to you. So that was a pivotal moment. And then, you know, fast forward, I you know, went through high school, got into college and I had set my sights on, you know, being a world dominator. Like, you know, people were going to bow to me. They were going to kiss my shoes. You know, I mean, so you should begin my point. Like I, I had gotten addicted to the, uh, the story that people told me that if I got enough power, fame, and money, I would ultimately be able to control the moment that was in front of me. So I could create the experience that I wanted so that my inner experience matched my outer experience, which, you know, and growing and building up into that, you have this hope that as long as I get all these things, then I'll be able to get the world I want to. And somehow there's going to be a fruit tree out back. That's going to have total well-being displaced in my body at all times. Well, my goal was that I wanted to hit this $500,000 in income. I hit it when I was like 26 or 27, right? And in that moment, I also, it was one of the hardest challenging moments in my life because I also realized that I got it and I arrived there for my goal, whatever that was, everyone's goal is a little differently. And yet I still have the same tape playing. I still have the same inner challenges. I still have the same inner disturbances and I, and I couldn't make it all go away. So then I just sat there and I'm like, this can't be the point of life, Matt, right? This can't be, we can't fall into this trap of thinking that I'm going to change the external world to change my internal world because there's nobody in the history that has ever gotten something and then never wanted something else, right? Or never tried to fight to keep it. And so I, I realized that, you know, going down this path, while it made me successful for what that was and different things, I was actually miserable inside. And so I, that, that's when I went on this, you want to call it a personal growth, a spiritual growth, whatever it is that you want to, about 15 years ago, but that was about 10 years after that experience that I had as a freshman in high school. Um, that my second big pivotal moment in my life was when I realized that and I made my life more about an internal growth. What was really interesting, and then I'll turn it back over to you, was 
the minute I made my life more about the inner journey and still participating in the outer experience of this thing, my businesses continue to grow with, with a tremendous amount of success. And that has led and continued the same path um, for the last 12 or 13 years. Awesome. I'd like to define what the inner world looks like. And so like one of my mentors talks about there's three things that can't be bought, right? A calm mind, a fit body and great relationships at home. Like how would you define the inner world? Is it something like that or, or how do you define yeah, it? Thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, for me, you know, we have a you know, 200% life book that's releasing. And, and, and part of that is because it's been my own self therapy for how do I answer the question of, wanting to be on this spiritual calm mind, calm path, but not sitting in a cave in Indian style reciting haikus over a fireplace. Like it's not even comfortable sitting like that. Like, I don't know why people do that. Right. It's, it's not there. I want to meditate on a mountaintop. Right. And, uh, and so that's been my, my, since the, I asked that question for me, the inner experience, you, all of us has this the voice inside our head, right? We all have emotions. We all have what I refer to as a spiritual heart, right? It's like you can feel lost. You can feel the birth of a child. You can feel success. You can feel failure. You can feel all that. It's your spiritual heart. But then there is this, this, this witness, this person that is participating in life that gets to experience. It's a subject-object relationship. Because there's somebody hearing the voice, because there's somebody feeling the emotions, there's, because there's somebody one who is, is visually in contact with that spiritual heart, the depth of that heart, that, there has to, that can't be you. That's just the inner experience that you're having. And then there's you who's actually the witness or the participant or the, the seer of life that is watching those inner emotions and experiencing them and also participating in the outward, right? You know, the Bible, they talk about how I want to be in this world, but not of it. It's kind of the same concept there, which is I'm in this world and you are, you're in this world. We're all in this world right now, if you're here listening to this, but you're not of it. You're not, you're not the trees. You're not the the voice. You're not your inner emotions. You're not the roles that you play as CEO or as father, as mother, as brother. Those are just things that you do while you're here. So when I think about the inner world, that's the inner experience that, that I refer to. Okay. So this might get deep really fast. Um, Let's do it. So, so when we're talking about you, because we're not talking about maybe you as a body per se, like, are we all very similar at the core of the you, right? Because the you is probably not like people who have ADD. That's not the you, right? The you is sitting behind that. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you know, Skinner said it right where he said, man is the sum of all his learned experiences. The only thing that he missed was, is you are the one watching a psyche be the sum of the learned experiences, right? So there's always, we talk about working at the root of it. It's, you don't get involved. You're not your body because you could take your arm off and you're still in there, right? Like, was everybody in there yesterday? Did you witness yesterday? The answer is yes, I was in there yesterday. Were you in there when you were 10 years old, looking in a mirror, seeing a reflection of a human being or a human body? And you go, yes, I was. Now you look in the mirror and you're 20 years, 10 years, 30 years later, you see a different reflection, but it's still the same you. You know, it's fascinating because, you know, they talked about uh, the earth, the galaxies being 13.8 billion years old. And then they've recently found and said, no, 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 it's 27.4 billion years old. At some point when we build telescopes up long enough, you're going to realize that there was no beginning and there is no end. And that's the same reference to you. There is, if you really, you can't, you can't go to the the personal mind and say, tell me who I am because it doesn't know it. It's only, that would be like going to a raindrop and saying, where do I come from? Like it doesn't, it's not going to say you come from a cloud, right? Like you're part of the source. And to answer the, the question about, are we all the same? The way I review this is like a wave is always part of the ocean, but at times it's separate from the ocean. So it's never not part of the ocean, but we would classify it as separate as the ocean. 
So just like you, you're never not part of consciousness, but you're a separate part of consciousness that's playing the same level. The same thing, think of a Bunsen burner. You ever seen that? You ever go camping? It's yeah. fall in Vermont. There's a lot of Bunsen burners rolling out there. There's one flame, but each flame has an individual circle that it comes up into to cook on it. It's the same same thing here. So one could say that, yes, it's an individual flame, but the reality is if you trace it back to the root, it's all the same source. Yeah. So this obviously going this deep in your knowledge of you is what sparked the process. So, so if you could take me into what revelations did you have when you realize like you are not even what most people think of when they think of yeah. you, you're sitting behind it. What actions, what experiences did that lead to? Yeah. Um, well, you know, it's once you, it, once you, um, decide your intent is that I'm no longer going to manipulate the world, external world to get what I want so I can feel okay. Your path completely changes. And that is a true spiritual seeker. It's not about how long you meditate for. It's not about the techniques, which by the way, I meditate every day, twice a day. It's a little wonderful things, but your intent has to be that, I am no longer going to go out there and try to manipulate the world to get what I want just so I can feel temporarily okay, which is what most people are seeing the world. That's why when people use the world, like they use the word like awaken, what you're really awakening to is the realization that you've been on this hamster wheel going after trying to get what you want. And, and then that temporarily makes you feel okay. Instead of realizing that I can bypass, I can play checkmate with life by absolutely waking up every day and being, I'm okay with everything. I need nothing. Enjoy everything. It doesn't mean you don't have a big business. It doesn't mean you don't take vacations or get married. Those are just things that you're doing. By the way, the same person that says, I want to go live a minimalistic life because it's the same thing. It's the same principle as somebody going out there and say, I want to have be a billionaire. It's just two different paths, but it still originates from a thought and then you going after the thought. The way I kind of look at this is like you, you, you get beyond thought and you go out there and say, I have no idea really what's going to happen today. Sure. We have a schedule and we have a probably going to follow it, but nobody's thinking about all the other things that make this go happen. You have 25 trillion cells in you. The galaxies have been around for billions and billions of years, right? Your heart beats, you know, hundred thousand times a day. Your pancreas secretes your entire, you can see, you can hear nobody's doing any of that. Nobody's doing any of that. Nobody's making the world go around. Nobody's making it rain at certain times or snow. It's just all happening. So 99.999% carried out of life is just unfolding and we're doing nothing with it. So the same thing can happen with your life. So people say, I want to go after my Dharma or what it is. It's, 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 you're the one, the only one that's blocking you from getting in the way of that. So the more you can, you can, what I always refer to as relax and release in the moment, because there is a moment, the minute an email comes, a phone call comes, somebody says something to you that doesn't match your view of life. You instantly feel the need to defend the ego that's inside there of basically why you're right and why you need to be there. The, the real work happens when you realize I don't need to be right. I don't need to defend any of that. And if anything's bothering me right now, that's on me. How anybody thinks about me is not my, it's not even, it's not up to me, nor is it my decision how people think about me. So I'm not going to care about necessarily the viewpoint of somebody else when I have no control over that. So what you do is you sit back and say, every moment that I feel disturbed, and we all know what that means. You're fine. And then all of a sudden somebody cuts you off. Your energy's gone. You're now pulled down. Like there's a magnet in there. Somebody has lassoed you and pulled you down further to get caught in the emotion. I always like to give this analogy. It's like, if you have a, if your, your state of being is in a crystal clear, you said calm mind of one of your mentors says that it's wonderful, right? You think of that as like a very crystal clear pond and you throw a rock in the middle of that. 
and that ripple becomes a disturbance. And you're sitting next to the pond and you go, man, I don't really like that disturbance. So you jump in and try to smooth out the ripple with by jumping in, right? That's how most people handle life. They get disturbed by something and they jump into the drama of the mind to try to dis- displace it. Whereas what you can do is, and this is this is a very deep technique, but it's I believe it's the, working at the root, is when you get disturbed, you can sit back relax and release and allow the event to move forward through you. So you become clear in, in the, in the decision becomes undisguised. So you can serve the moment the best. That's when you become in line with life. That's when you can serve the moment, the highest, your businesses do better. Your life does better. Your relationships do better because what you're not, what you're doing is you're not looking to take anything from the moment. You're looking to set up the moment so that the moment is better off for having passed by your consciousness. So let's, let's get into the particulars with this. If you can give me one, two, maybe even three examples of like, what are some rocks, some disturbances in your life that, you know, you had to let pass by, pass through you. And and what did that look like? You know, the beauty about the moment is that every moment is different for everybody because when the moment unfolds, it's the same moment, but we all get hit with different things. So meaning like somebody, somebody's dying right now and it's not bothering you or I, somebody's being, you know, birthed and it's not bothering you and I, cause it's not passing by our consciousness or not being hit in a certain way from, I mean, the disturb, I'll give you an example. Um, the other day, my kid was eating a cracker and it literally, I don't know why it was so irritating the way he was chewing next to me. Right. It was literally like, and I'm, I could feel myself and my energy being pulled of being so frustrated, irritated the way he's chewing his snacker, his cracker, because I don't like the way he's chewing it or how it's disturbing me. So in that moment, I'm going, well, this has nothing to do with him. And I'm about to explode and tell him and, and, and be irate with him for something that's ridiculous. Like he's just trying to snuggle next to me and it's there. So you sit there and as that pain starts to build up, I just sat there with it, allowing it to move through you. So that the minute it moves through you, it's the pain that releases all pain. And then once it's gone, it's released. So you can then come into the moment again and remove that inner disturbance. It's like removing the thorns that are there from you. And you allow the moment to do that for you. You know, that's just a classic. This morning I was running, right? And I was running with my my dog, my my German shepherd. And I had him on a leash and usually he's pretty good, but he started like cutting me off from my run. Like he was like kind of hitting my feet. And every time you do, I kind of get a little bit more irritated, a little bit more irritated. And then I just pause for a second. I'm like, the moment in front of me is not bothering me. I'm bothering myself about the moment. So therefore, again, in that moment, I literally this morning was just running going, well, I can release this. It doesn't mean I can't fix the situation or help control the situation or, you know, help direct and learn from the situation. But I'm saying because I'm running and now I'm being upset by this, then that has that's on me. So again, again, in that moment, you relax and release. Now, one common mistake that people make when they're doing this, though, if you become angry or irritated, there's a natural tendency to want to try to calm down the anger. It doesn't work that way. The nature of anger is anger. It's got a vibrational frequency. The, the rattlesnake on a rattle, or the rattle on a rattlesnake has a, its own energy and you feel it. A butterfly has its own energy and you feel it. So what you do is you can never try to go after of relaxing the irritation or the anger or the jealousy or whatever that frustration is. You have to sit behind it and allow itself to work its way through you so that it doesn't bother you in the future. So there's a lot of questions that come to my mind out of this sort of series of thoughts, which is like, 
obviously you're becoming okay with things happening that generally would irritate you. Sometimes, like you said, with kids, I can relate to the kids because I have kids screaming in my ear most nights with having two little ones. But then there's also things like, you know, business partnerships, people taking advantage of you and all these types of things. And, and so I could see the value in, in letting the anger pass through you. So you're dealing calmly, collectedly from a great mind freight. You're, you're presenting, uh, you know, more of a relational front. I could see where that's a value. How do you actually decide how to handle the issue itself? Yeah, it's a great question. It's actually becomes very easy and undisguised the minute you're calm. Most people in situations, somebody's taking advantage of you. Um, there's, you have to fire somebody. I mean, we've, we've all had to do, I've had people steal hundreds of thousands of dollars from me and I've fired many, many people in my life and hired many, many people in my life. And you just, you show up better when you're clear. There's no, there's no question about that. So I always just work backwards from this. If I know that decision-making in the leadership position is the most important thing I do, then why I need to put myself in the highest position that I can to make the highest, best quality decisions that I can in my life. Because as a leader, our work product, Matt, is decisions, right? That is what we do. That is our work product, right? So therefore, to work backwards from that is to put myself in the cleanest and clearest situation to make the best decisions. Give me an example of this. If you want to be a nurse or a doctor, but you can't deal with the sight of blood, you're no good to the situation. If you want to be a leader and you can't handle the events of being a leader, then you are no good being a leader, right? It's the same principle that goes on there. If you want to be a father and you can't handle your kids screaming or, or having a, you know, a two-year-old fit, you're no good at being a father at that point in time or a mother or what our caregiver, whatever it is. So the point is when you're irritated and you're responding from that energy, you're not serving the moment to the highest that it can be. Sure, it probably goes on and you're fine. You kind of deal with it. But what you want to really do is you always want to deal with you first and then deal with the situation. Because if you're dealing with the situation from any part that's lower than your highest self, you're not handling it with the highest probability of it working out. And so again, it's just a, it's a natural part of working backwards of going, I first need to handle me and be clear, calm, concise, so that I can see the direction that I need to take the organization. So I can see the direction that this that the accountability needs to happen with this individual or the direction that I can have a calm conversation with my two-year-old instead of wanting to throw them across the room, right? So again, that's that's where the, the working at the root is always, am I okay first? And if you're not, you first deal with you then you deal with life. It's never about like, so people get the word surrender mistakenly confused. It's not about, oh, I'm just going to let a tiger kind of eat all over me or oh, I'm going to let everybody dictate my schedule. It has nothing to do with that. In fact, the more you surrender, it's what you're surrendering to is the fact that the moment has happened in front of you. Once you surrender to that, you let go of the emotional baggage that's there, that's gluing you to a certain ability to respond to the situation so you can be released from that and then handle the situation for the highest level that you can. So for someone that views the moment as being in front of them, like there's almost like a sense of detachment that's happening in that, in that moment. And so with the detachment, but you're also talking about people experiencing like how present do you feel? Like, is it, is it, is it a element of being very present while being detached or, or can you kind of give me a spectrum of how detached versus present? Yeah, it's a great question. I think they're similar buckets. You know, when you're when you're detached from a moment, it doesn't mean that you're you're concentrated on the mind, 
right? So let me back up for a second. Most people, what they're doing is even when they're listening to this podcast right now, they're listening to their own voice narrate this conversation of saying, I agree with what Adam says. I do not agree with what Adam says. I don't like what he just said there. How come Matt didn't ask that question, right? Most people are listening to the voice inside their head narrate life for them. So they're actually not present. You're actually living mind versus living life. When you detach yourself, we use that word from the mind, you actually become and you fall back into presence. So it's not something you actually have to practice. The minute you're no longer attached to the mind or listening to that voice inside your head or attached to emotions, you, it, there's nothing else to do because you fall back into who you are, which is presence. Then you fall back into the, the moment itself and the moment is then purely undisguised and you see it for what it is instead of seeing it through the narration of the mind, which is how most people see. There's a phrase that people, that they use in, in Buddhism, which is called, they call it just tree. Maybe you've referred to that as or heard it before. And all it really says is basically like every time somebody looks at the tree, you go, oh, the leaves are changing. It must be fall. Or, you know, that tree reminds me of, you know, hunting when I used to climb it in a tree stand or that tree, you know, it, it, we really need to get an arborist here because it may fall on my, right? Everyone sees something and then narrates the seeing of it. So they preventing themselves from actually experiencing it. When you're, when that is detached, when you're detached from your mind and not glued or Velcro to a thought, you instantly fall back into presence and therefore you see just tree or you see just the event that's in front of you. Yeah. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. I'm just kind of accepting the thing as it is. Um, so, okay, you accept so it. You ex what you're doing is you're accepting it without... Um, buying into the mind needing to tell you what it actually is. This is the challenge with language, right? I mean, language is a wonderful use to be able to communicate and we absolutely need it, but it cuts us off from a lot of other experiences because we're actually constant. We're so dominant and concentrating on language than we are of actually being present with things. Like go take a walk in the woods by yourself and see how lost, how quickly you get lost in thought, right? Like people are like, I go out there to think, I get it. Like, that's fine. That's I, it's not wrong. Like you get some great clarity from there, but wouldn't it be better to go in there and just be as fully present? Like I live in the mountains. So like, wouldn't it be like, you're just with everything. It's not, you're not narrating anything. You're just with everything. And it's, it, and it's, it, it has to be your own experience. Like, again, most people, when you try to explain this, it's like explaining a menu. It, it, you can't, if I tell you what a burger is going to taste like, 
it still doesn't ever come close to actually delivering the experience until you taste it. And most people just live or reading a menu thinking that it's their life instead of actually experiencing the burger for itself. And, and so to do our best to explain the menu, so let's say I go on a walk later today, is the goal in this essence, like if, if you're, I guess I'm trying to understand how if I have arrived, right? So, so essentially if I'm out there, is it when I have no thoughts at all? Um, how do yeah, I know? That's, that's a great question. It's not about not having thoughts. Thoughts are just going to come and go, but it's like writing on water. They come and they're gone. There's no attachment to it. It's not about not having emotions either. Emotions are part of the human experience. And so are thoughts. The emotions are going to come and go. Have you ever had an emotion come and stay for the rest of your life? No, they're, they're, every emotion and every thought has come and gone, right? So they just, they come and go. The difference is, is that you become aware. It's almost like you just see them for what they are. And there is no attachment to the emotion and there's no attachment to the thought. Therefore, when you're there, you're able to witness the thought you're witnessing and feeling the experience and you're also in the world right you're i'm in this world but not of it so you're able to experience the physical part of the world itself and so again it's you never should search to try to get to no thought no thought will happen at some point if you get deep enough and it just it falls away it just it just falls away but the most important step is that every time you're aware that you're glued to a thought pull yourself back to center and just do whatever you need to do. There's plenty of techniques and there's so many wonderful people that teach so many different techniques of positive thinking and mantra and meditation and you know any other techniques that are out there to keep you from being glued to thought. But it's the, it's the first understanding that I'm not a thought. I'm not emotions. I'm the one who's witnessing and experiencing all of this. And so again, don't try to go out there. It's actually, you know what it is? It's almost the reversal. It's like, can I call off the search? of trying to find an arrival point and realize it. Cause remember there is no other moment than life than this life is this moment right now. It is not any time that you take yourself out of the moment and you think about the past or you think about the future, you're no longer in the moment you are, you are in your mind using the mind as an escape point to fantasize or think through about the future or the past. Now there's nothing wrong with using the analytical mind to learn but there's a way to do that so you can do it without escaping your consciousness into the mind to get away from the disturbance that you don't like your feeling. Yeah. Very deep sentence, but sorry if it's, but yeah. No, no, I really, really enjoy this. And I want to tie this back to how this helps people, not just in their life, but in their business as well. So essentially like as leaders, generally, I've always thought like, well, we're preparing the future for the team, right? People are entrusting their livelihoods to us and we're creating this business and this path that can help them stay employed, can give them opportunities, et cetera. And so I have always spent the vast majority of my time in the future, which obviously from what you're saying is not the way to go. So if someone is not spending much time in the future, not spending much time in the past, as a leader, how do they balance that out with their responsibilities of growing the team? How do they make decisions about where to go next? Yeah, it's a great question. There's, there's absolutely nothing wrong with forecasting, budgeting, with you know creating a future self. There's nothing wrong with creating and using your analytical mind to create a schedule, to think of through the future, to create a strategic roadmap. The difference is you're not doing any of that as a way of thinking when I arrive at this future point, I'm going to change the way I feel. Because most people, when they think about the future, 
they're trying to, they do a dress rehearsal in their mind. That, I mean, that's what it, that's why people have trouble with decisions. What you're really doing is you're going, if I pick this dress or this outfit over here, which one's going to make me feel better? And what you then you go to the mind, you do a little dance in your head and go, which one do you think is going to make me feel better? And so when most people think about the future, what you're doing is you're actually doing dress rehearsals in your mind about which decision I'm about to make makes me feel better. That's the point that you want to remove from and go, I'm letting go of the personal gain from the future and I'm going to be present and think through the most strategically what I can do into the future without a need to get or generate something from the future that I feel is going to change the way I am now in terms of how I feel. There's nothing preventing you from doing that, from feeling that now, because what's going to happen is, and what's happened in most people's lives, is once they get to that arrival point in the future, they're then thinking about what they can do next instead of actually then enjoying what they just actually were supposed to do. Even vacations, it's like the weirdest thing. People go on vacations and then they're planning the next vacation while they're on vacation, right? It's because like they they distract themselves on vacation. They're feeling good about that. And they go, I wonder if I could buy something down here. I wonder what it looks like. I wonder if we could live over here. What would that look like? They just get caught up in the, the whole other thing instead of actually experiencing the vastness of life itself. Yeah. And, and so just, and this could be a very basic question, but for somebody that is not going to attach themselves to the feeling like what, what does that process look like? I mean, cause I think, I mean, just interviewing people myself, et cetera, it is, I mean, the real estate game, particularly it mm-hmm. is unreal. The percentage of people that they do the dress rehearsal, they, mm-hmm. they go through that process. I don't even know that I would know how to say what it looks like to not do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for your honesty. I, I love that. And and you got great questions. You know, it, it's because we're so addicted to the mind. The mind has to live in the future or the present. I'm sorry, past or future. The mind cannot live. The, the mind I refer to as the ego, right? The ego cannot live in the in the present moment. That's why the personal or spiritual growth teachers always say, go to the present moment, go to the present moment. Because in the present moment, there can be no ego grabbing you because you're present with the moment that's there, which is the only real part of life. So let's just start in small things. Everyone's had these experiences, right? Whether you call them a flow state, whether you call them, they may be a time. Let me give you a great example, because I bet this has happened with you. You've probably been in a situation where either you're being interviewed or you're presenting to a group of audience, right? You're up there. You're, you're, share, you're, you're telling a story in front of 500 people, right? You're in that moment. You're saying things that you don't even know that you even could say. You're putting words together and sentences together that you didn't even know were even there. You're not thinking about the future right there. You're in present and you're saying things and it's just coming out and it's in this wonderful state. You're not making a decision there, are you? Or is it just flowing? You see the difference and that's how people can live their life. So that we do get these, these opportunities or when you're doing in sports, like you know, you're, you're skiing down a mountain. And sure, you're moving between trees, but you're not really making a decision, but you're making a decision. This is why it's so confusing because it's, it's, you're, not, you're not making the decision based on how it's going to make you feel. You're in the flow, in the moment, making and interacting with the decision itself. And that's the same state that you can do. The minute you just, so if you start small, right, about trying to get rid of these parts of you that prevent you from being more present, as that happens, you have longer bouts of being in that flow state, if you will, in just everyday life, in your meetings that you're leading, in interviewing with people, in the relationships that you have with your kids, the relationships you have with your significant other, all of those start to mold together 
so that they you you have this undisguised view of what your next direction is supposed to be. And, and so essentially, then the ability to access flow state is the ability to escape the mind, right? Is, is that would that be accurate in saying essentially like the ability to be present is the ability to be in flow state? I mean, you could say it that way. Absolutely. I, th- I think the when you when you're no longer living mind and you're in the present moment, you're in a flow state, right? You're in that flow state. We we've documented people call it flow, but you're just present. You're just present. You feel good. You're not trapped in mind. You're not thinking about mind. You're not thinking about the future. What is this person going to think of me? You're truly just serving the moment. And I to drop the word serving. You're just interacting with the moment that's in front of you, just like every animal and plant is just interacting with the moment in front of you. Yeah. So meditate, you mentioned meditation. What are some of the practices that you do daily to, or weekly or monthly to stay uh, present? Yeah. You know, I I think um, there is so many polls and it's something that I have to work on every day, uh, which is kind of like being preemptive on a lot of these things. So you can stay present longer. You know, for me, I get up between four and four 30. I meditate for the first thing I do what's called transcendental meditation really doesn't matter what form of meditation you do. I actually care less about meditational experiences. I've had plenty of meditational experiences and silent retreats and weekend retreats, and I've done all of that, right? At the end of the day, I'm I'm not in that state now. And the only thing I care about is permanent states, which is why I always like to work at the root of things because it creates permanence. You know, the real personal growth or spiritual growth is when something used to bother you and you're able to remove it and so it no longer bothers you. Because isn't that the whole point of what people are trying to strive for in life is to be able to walk through life undisturbed, meaning that they can they can experience anybody, anything that's going on and not have the disturbance inside them. Therefore, they see it for what it is. And so that becomes there. So again, that's, you know, meditation is wonderful. It's a wonderful practice to be able to learn there. So I do TM and then I do a series of journaling for about a half an hour. And this is good, the bad, the ugly affirmations. This is are just really what things that I'm grateful for. I do a journal of each one of my kids every day that I tie photos into. So if they, if I were to to die um, or when I die, they have a, a collection of all of their things that I thought about them from really young ages and, and things that they learned and did. So I have that and it's in the cloud. So it's kind of cool. Uh, and then I exercise for, you know, depending on the day, anywhere between one to three to four hours a day. Uh, and then again, my day, and then I meditate again around noon every day as a kind of a, a checkpoint of just a, a 20 minute transcendental meditation resets, clarity, regain that reposition myself from that's in there uh, as well too. So those are kind of the things. Another technique that's really good to do is, um, uh, is every time I drive to my office, before I get out of my truck, one of the first things I always do is before you get out of there and I just, con- now it happens kind of automatic, but I used to be more purposeful on it is I would remind myself that I'm not here, Matt, to get anything from anybody. I'm not here to get anything from my employees. I'm not here to get anything from my clients. I'm not here to get anything from anybody that I see here. I'm actually here to show up in whatever's asked of me within reason, right? What's there that I'm going to, I'm going to step into that moment and help out. And you fail at that a lot, by the way, but that is the intention that I bring as my anchor point. And I also do that every time I pick up my phone, I see that somebody's calling me and I'm going and instantly we go, we know those phone calls. You don't want it. And you see the person then or you're fine. All of a sudden you see the person's name and you instantly, your energy drops, doesn't it? You're like, fuck, I got to deal with this. Right. The minute that happens, that's when you go, I can, it's just somebody calling me. I can handle this. I'm pretty sure I can handle this phone call. Right. I'm pretty sure that I can, I can let go of the part of me that doesn't want to deal with this right now. And you let go of that part of you and deal with it. So there's all these anchor points. My point of mentioning all that is that the real work 
is in the moment. The, the, when the rubber hits the road, it's not about how long you can meditate for, or whether you can yogic fly. I mean, sure, people can do that stuff. But you can also get a chair and sit next to the person. So it's like, it's not really that impressive. What's impressive is the build, people that can really do the inner work to release the part of them that's preventing them from experiencing life. Remember, there's only two things that you're going to be doing every moment of your life. Or number one is you're going to be enjoying the experience that's in front of you. I mean, totally enjoying the experience. Or number two, you're going to be working on letting go of the part of you that is preventing you from enjoying the experience in front of you. What does drive feel like in this new capacity? Because I think a lot of times people are driving so hard because they're running from something, right? They're running from this disturbances that are in their life. What does drive feel like in a person that's fully present? That's a wonderful question. And most entrepreneurs and business owners have this fear. They go, well, if I give up my ego, then how am I going to be successful? I still have to take, I have responsibilities at them. I have, and I get it. There's a mechanical aspect of life. There's money, there's bills, there's different things that are there. Right. And people are so afraid to give up there. And what I say to them, and they go, well, it's already made me successful. And my response to that is like, it has, and you're wildly successful. Let me ask you two questions. Number one, how you doing inside? Right. Number one, truthfully, how you doing? And number two, how much more successful would you be if you didn't operate from a place of ego and you operate a place of enthusiasm and joy and contribution? How much more could you contribute? How much more would life open up in a different way that you didn't even think was possible? And so part of that is that the drive turns into pure enthusiasm, pure inspiration that wants to go in there. I get this a lot when I when people go, so what am I supposed to do, Adam? Just surrender and people throw their hands up like this. And I'm like, well, thanks. a great question. I get it. It's not about that. That's not what surrender means. It's not surrendering so people take advantage of you or lying down so a tiger can eat you. It has nothing to do with that. It's surrendering the part of you that has a problem with life. <laughs> it's surrendering the part of you that has a problem with the reality that just happened, right? If somebody's calling you, you can't change the fact that they're calling you so you get rid of that part of you that has a problem with that. So you can handle the situation as clear as possible. As you start to do this, you wake up with this massive inspiration and this joy to want to contribute to life. It's like the same reason an apple tree doesn't need to drive. It just produces apples, right? Plants don't need to go, oh, I'm going to go drive. No, they just drop, they produce food, right? And they have the whole process that goes on with this. The same thing in our human experience. Souls are sent down here to evolve. You have every day and every opportunity to evolve. So let's kind of take this a little bit down the business path. So, so this allows you to have complete clarity. It allows you to remove so much of the negativity and, and bring positivity and serve better. And I'm sure just the feelings that people have when they're around you are so much more positive, which is why you can attract talent. It's why you can attract all these things. You describe yourself as like a connector of people, obviously building this number of companies and, and having the success that you've had. That's obviously a huge skill. Can you kind of talk to me about more of the practical things you do day to day as a leader? Yeah. Yeah. So, so you can, again, the, that's why the, the 200% life is, is really a model for how to live your life, which means that I have this 100% inner world that I can always be working on. But at the same time, there's 100% outer world, dude. There's a lot of fun you can have out there. You can you can be a painter. You can run a business. You can go live in the woods for six months. You can be on reality TV shows. I mean, you, there's, there's, you can do whatever you want. That's the coolest thing because you're not, you're not doing it to try to make you better. You're just doing it to experience it. And, and part of the roles that I play for whatever reason, you know, or CEO and, and, you know, of, of organizations. Um, 
so for me, again, I, I believe the most important thing, there's three things a leader must do. Number one is they must be able to cast a vision, right? Because look, you have a team that's running really hard, but they're running east looking for a sunset. I don't care how hard you're running, you're not going to find it. So number, knowing where you're going, and by the way, it's even more important now than ever, uh, knowing where you're going and what you're willing, what the organization needs to do. Uh, that's number one. Number two is provide clarity and direction, right? So this is where, this is how we're going to get there. Be very aware when you get up to mile three, there's a pond there. You got to be careful. You got to be willing to see things that people can't, which is why you're the leader, why you're looking at things. You got to be ahead of the organization, leading them in different ways. And that ties into knowing where you're going, which is why vision is really important. The third thing I think the most important things we can do is make high quality decisions every day. Jeff Bezos, who's also accomplished some decent things out there, said basically the most important thing that he can do is make three quality decisions every day before 10. He goes, after that, it's almost irrelevant what I do with my day. And he also, by the way, sleeps seven, eight hours a day. He, he meditates. He's a, you know, again, he's got this, these practices that a lot of people do. So for me, I kind of work backwards in the same way, which is, okay, vision, clarity, and direction. And then how do I make sure that I'm making the highest quality decisions every day? Exercise is a great way of kind of, you know, relieving that anxiety that shows up that you can experience from not, you know, from, I feel like my body is a blue collar worker. It needs to be worked right. Um, from there, everything's at its own nature. Uh, and then it also sets me up to make better decisions and to be able to see vision better, to be able to see direction better, to be able to focus on clarity better, to be able to take in information better and fit into my model for how we're doing things. Remember goals are wonderful. Goals, but goals have a beginning and an end. Every goal has a beginning and every goal has an end. They're not your purpose in life, right? They're just goals. The roles that we play are wonderful and they're fun experiences, but they're not who you are. At some point, you're no longer going to be a CEO, most likely. There's, at some point, you were, how many other jobs have you had in your life, Matt? What, you know, multiple ones probably. You, you've moved on from them. So you're, at one point, you were them and you're not longer there, right? So you're just, we move on from the roles that were there. Um, so those are kind of like the, the more practical things. Again, as a leader, that's how I look about what are the most three most important things that I can do. And for me, I love to train, teach, and um, uh, and help collaborate on, on larger projects. I don't like to operate businesses. In fact, I actually don't do a very good job of operating. Um, so I try to remove myself from the operating part of any business that I am. So I concentrate on teaching, coaching, and being really in the writing room. And so as a CEO then you're obviously installing a COO who is running the operations, right? And then you're essentially a president who oversees all of that. Yeah. 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 And some organizations, like I, I just, I've hired CEOs. I'm the CEO of one company, all the other ones I have CEOs of. So I just, I, I may own the majority of the interest in it, but I put people in place that are better at better than me. And that's literally, you know, early on in my life, when I started hiring people, I did it out of, cause I'm inherently lazy. What I mean by that is if there's anything else somebody else can do, I, I want it off my plate. And that naturally has happened. If there's anything else that nobody else can do, I'm laser focused on that. And I, and I will, I will, I will accomplish it with, with speed and clarity um, because that's my role, but anything else that's, that's not, that can be, that can be delegated or leveraged and provided an opportunity to somebody else. I'm going to give it to them. So for the people out there that maybe don't feel like they're financially solvent enough to hire everything out, like someone that feels like they have capacity to be a CEO at some point and it's not quite there financially. Like what does that person do in, in the process? Great question. Well, I borrowed eight grand to start my first business. So I didn't come from anything and I started every one of my businesses from scratch. Um, the, the, the process that I went through was, um, and I actually skirted on a 
fence, dude. Like I was on the line when I, early on in my life, what I mean by that is I made some mistakes early on where I, as my income increased, I increased my lifestyle. Um, and yet I still heavily invested in the business. And so like, if some of those business things didn't pan out the way they wanted to, it would be a different show, right? Like I don't, who knows where that path would have led me. The most important thing I think people can do is when you're building a business is to learn that when you increase your revenue, you hold that accountable to getting leverage and you don't increase your life. I know it's so tempting to want to go keep up with people and do that, but I promise you once, dude, every luxury item that you've ever thought was a luxury item, once you get it is no longer a luxury item. And then it just becomes a necessity. So just push that back more and, and, and allow yourself that it's going to feel way better to have more money in your bank account and hire more people than anything you can ever buy in your entire life. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I just like in so many different areas, I remember the first time I, I left teaching, went to sales and then it was like, they had these amazing meals every day for lunch. And I'm like, like, that was a big deal for me back then. I was like, oh yeah. man, I get to enjoy this, you know, steak. Yeah lunch after like 30 days, I'm like, I'm tired of this. Yes, you know? exactly. Yes. That's yeah. exactly right. Everything that you've ever thought was a luxury item that you wanted desperately is no longer a luxury item in your life right now. Yeah. Isn't that wild, dude? So powerful. So, so obviously lowering the, the standard of living, the cost of living so that you can yeah. reinvest in the businesses, what yeah. gives the business that traction? Yeah. And, and then the next thing that I would look at doing is get really good at hiring get really good at attracting talent, which means you have to be talent yourself, which means again, living less than what people are. They're attracted to that. People want to know how people do that. Right. You know, I, I think that the next, uh, you know, wealth, if you will, is inner wealth, inner strength. It's the people that can say no to a lot of things that are out there, especially as 3d printing comes on. I believe at some point in time in the future, you'll be able to have whatever thing, anything you ever wanted to have at some point, we're going to get there. And then the people that are willing to, to go without that are actually going to be seen as the new, revelation of whatever it is. Let me give you an example of this. You know, about 200 years ago, being overweight was a sign of wealth. It was a sign of power. It was a sign of sexiness. It was a sign of everything because it showed you that you didn't do that. Well, fast forward, right? 150 years, 140 years or so when food became ubiquitous, then it just became ubiquitous. So everyone could have it. And now it's the opposite, right? I feel like we're in that same phase now with everyone wanted things in the eighties, nineties, two thousands. And now that's starting to transition where people are realizing I've got a collection of things in my basement. I've got golf memberships and cars and things over there and I don't want them anymore. Not that I don't want them because I don't want them. I just, they don't do anything anymore. So what's then what's the next path, which is why even the conversation we're having today, which is the inner strength, the inner wealth which as you started off, one of your mentors said, you can't buy those things. So the next sexy, if you will, those things is going to be things that you can't buy. You can't accomplish through effort in terms of your outward projections that way. Do you think there's a, there's a game beyond that? Or do you think inner wealth is truly the end game? No, I think, I think, I, I, I think consciousness wants to evolve at all times. And it's been here for billions and billions of years. And I think if our species, if you will, does not evolve to the level that it wants and it'll give it time and it has, then it'll just find a different way. Think about it from just abstractly for a second. Our entire earth could disappear and nothing would even happen. I'm serious. Like in terms of like, there's, there's billions of galaxies and there's trillions of planets in each galaxy or stars. So think about the number, the sheer number there. We could, Earth could go away and like the universe would be like, what? And move back, right? Like it wouldn't even, like there wouldn't even be like a, it'd be like a blade of grass in Arizona moving right now. Nobody would even care about it, right? It just, that's literally how it would feel. Just to us, we're so concentrated on that. 
So, but if you expand in terms of the galaxies, in terms of cosmos, if you will, like the earth could go away. So what's next, right? Is, is once we realize that we can come and there's a level of consciousness that's here that starts to rise up, I think it changes the entire game. Yeah. So obviously you have a book coming out, but what is your vision for your life and business next 12 to 18 months? For me right now, it's about solving large problems in real estate specifically. And it's the agent productivity problem. You know, nobody's been able to crack this code. I don't care. I mean, if you look at the number of agents versus the average productivity, it's fluctuated around one or two of the same numbers between seven and 10, basically based on the market, right? Nobody's been able to crack that. Large companies haven't been able to do that. I think Livian, uh, this is this iteration between brokerages and teams that comes in there and cracks the code of agent productivity. So the goal is to keep refining. We, we use this kind of concept right now in an organization called Get Fit, which every department gets fit, gets lean, gets focused, gets accountable, gets reporting metrics so that we wake up every single day focused on one number, which is increasing the agent productivity for our agents so they can enjoy more of their experience and more of their life. You know, real estate's one of those really things, passionate, there's really interesting things. Like I've been in it for so long and it's been such a, a wonderful blessing for me in so many different ways. And yet there's so many people that struggle with it um, because they, they want to come in for the freedom, but then the freedom is what causes them to fail. So we want to create a structure that gives people that you need discipline, but then you also can have freedom on the other side of discipline. And so I think there's a way that we can create an organization that, you know, our goal is 1500 teams, 25,000 agents with every agent doing five transactions within five years. And if we can accomplish that goal, it solves agent productivity in a way that nobody else has been able to. Yeah. And it's so interesting too. I mean, like even, even the goal of like the freedom is kind of in opposition to what you were talking about from the very beginning of the episode, right? Which is like the happy state happens when I reach this. And then you see it like almost everybody that I've interviewed when they hit financial freedom, they're like, well, I just go back to work the same way anyways. And so it's like, if you're going to work anyways, why, why, why have the benchmark? Yeah, that's, that's, that's exactly right. It's funny when you get generational type wealth in your life, you, you kind of go, well, I don't have to do any of this, but what am I going to do? Like you just, and then all of a sudden it's like, I, I, you know, you just want to show up somewhere and contribute. Now that may look different. You may show up in, in coaching sports that may show up in, you know, being a farmer. I don't know. People just do different things or it may show up ordinary and you just keep showing up the same way. You're just showing up differently. You're no longer showing up for the paycheck, which is fine. If you end up getting more money, it doesn't matter. It's just there. Um, but you still, you just, you want to, you want to contribute. You want to serve. You want to be able to, you know, have connection. And I also think that by escaping the realities of life, you actually lose the opportunity to grow more. Sure. You can get everything and quit your job and kind of go and hang out and hide in a beach if you wanted to, but what growth really does that provide? Because you're, you're getting what you want all the time. And that's not how life is supposed to be. Life is not supposed to be a yogi would never say, I get what I want. A yogi would wake up and say, if there's something in me that needs to be removed, then I'm out here in the world willing to accept what that is and to do that work. Amazing. Adam, thank you so much for coming on and sharing about your life and your business. For those of you out there listening, there is so much you could be take, take from this. If you are struggling with being present, if you're struggling with any of the things that might be leading your team down the wrong direction, maybe you're making erratic decisions, all these kinds of things, write down what you learned from today's episode, share it with somebody you know, so they can hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. If you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. 
Dang, man. Deep stuff. Awesome. Yes. Love it. Yeah. How, Thank how you. can I be a benefit on the journey for your, the team to get fit into, you know, eradicate this problem? Is there connections that I can help make? I mean, I have, obviously I know you're probably insanely more connected than I am, but, um, you know, would love to help out if I can. Yeah, I'll, I'll definitely. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 